0: We are the narrator's three, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell, and this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, season two, episode 18, Selfless, Brave, and True. The original air date was March 24th, 2013. The writers were Calinda Vasquez and Robert Hull. The director is Ralph Haymaker, and the title card is a busted-ass trailer.
1: for a busted ass episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it just sets
2: the tone right (laughs) off the bat
0: we begin our tale october 24th 2011 on the island of phuket august booth is asleep in bed with a woman named isra oh right off the bat
1: and i have an issue why the heck is the woman naked and yet august is like in his gym clothes sexism
2: it's so gross Oh, it's extremely sexist, but at the same time, I'm appreciative that he is fully clothed. In my ideal world, August is a (laughs) never-nude.
0: When his clock reads 8.15, August jumps up in pain. The pain is coming from his leg, which to him is now wooden. When he shows it to Isra, she is unfazed, beckoning him back to shut up and go back to bed. August tells her that he needs to go to the hospital. He stands up declaring in English that he is turning back into wood. Well,
2: hopefully that'll shut you up then. This is just the worst opening to an episode of Once Upon a Time.
0: In present day storybook, David brings a breakfast tray for Mary Margaret, who is still recuperating after she tricked Regina into killing Cora.
1: What a man, what a man, what a mighty good man.
0: Charming
2: is too good and perfect and sweet, and we will never not stand a good himbo in this house.
0: I know. Never. I love Never. him. Emma stops David and tells him that he needs to stop giving Mary Margaret foot rubs and breakfast in bed. Uh, you jelly, Emma? Just let him be sweet to his wife, Emma.
2: Charming as being a good husband, why are you being such a battle axe? Like... What he's doing is really sweet, and I just do not get why she's being this way. It's
1: very weird this episode's characterization choices are wildly all over the map they right really are. Like,
2: it why why would Emma be this way i they uh, bec- because a, a really bad <laughs> man <laughs> is writing
0: her <laughs> yeah because yeah. it doesn't make sense like, yeah she would not act like this, yeah, they're trying to be like, oh, she's to be like, oh, she needs tough love, but I. It she just, needs it, tools. Tools. <laughs>
1: I mean, Emma is full of tough love, but yeah, she is also appropriate,
0: very. But she's
2: yeah, also but compassionate. She, she's
1: also very compassionate, and she usually has like those like puppy dog eyes that she usually gives to somebody. Like, and she'll usually now preface going like. I know you're, you're trying and that you're showing your love, but you know, she, what she probably needs now is maybe a little less coddling and a little bit more, you know, tough love. Like, let's get her out of bed. Let's get her to start walking around. Let's get her out of her pajamas. You know, like, like Emma's a lot more helpful. Like season one, episode one, Emma would have definitely been like, just, you know, get her out of bed and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, this is very pilot, Emma. because
2: like, this is not, she's just straight up rude. Yeah. Yeah like it
0: feels very uncalled for yeah emma would have been tough but she would have been tough like she would have like been kneeling down and like talking not about mary margaret to david while mary margaret's in the room she would have been talking like directly to mary margaret yeah because that's the
2: other shitty thing mary margaret's like within earshot while she's doing this and it's like dude dude that's your mom yeah Maybe yeah. don't be a colossal bitch with an earshot of your mom.
1: Yeah. Gonna She's going to ground you. you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it be a <laughs> <Jeez>.
2: <laughs> I will take Dr. Pepper, or original Coca-Cola, please. All right.
1: You just remind me.
0: <laughs> David insists that Cora's death has been hard on her and that the breakfast in bed is the least they can do to assure Mary Margaret that everything will be okay. Emma believes that it's time to get Mary Margaret out of bed. Henry paces down the stairs to see if everything is all right. Emma blatantly lies, telling him everything is fine before ushering Henry out of the apartment. As soon as Henry and Emma leave, David turns to see Mary Margaret behind the island in the kitchen, packing an overnight bag. David asks her if she wants the breakfast he made her but stops and asks her if she has plants. Mary Margaret responds that she is going into the woods to think about things, and she needs to go alone. David insists that once the beans are ready to harvest, they can return to the enchanted forest and put all of this behind them. The beans! (laughs) The beans! (laughs) slaughtered us and stole our beans. Poor tiny. Mary Margaret understands that this sort of trauma is not so easily brushed under the rug and pleads for her sweet, himbo husband to give her time. Mary Margaret packs multiple cans of tuna in her bag when she's packing. I'm like, why does she need so much tuna? She wants to befriend all the stray cats of Storybrooke.
1: (laughs) I mean, she's got to keep her protein up, you know? So many, though. I know. (laughs) So many. many. Doesn't she also stuff in, like, a bunch of apples and, like, an entire bunch of bananas?
0: (laughs) It was just like, "Mm." it's like a Mary Poppins bag. I, I did not assume it was like an overnight bag. I assumed she was just, you know, going to the woods to shoot the arrows. So like, I was like, why does she need so much food? I guess she's intending to camp. I guess that's what's happening. So she with all that how? tuna she with didn't bring any other clothes
2: she just she didn't bring like clothes or other supplies she just brought multiple cans of tuna
0: <laughs> so much tuna
1: <laughs> to get, maybe yeah then to lure the cats i mean she can already speak bird
0: so unlock more animals i'm um, like yeah. yeah she's <laughs> level unlocking. up level up henry and emma enter granny's bed and breakfast where neil is waiting for them oh
1: my god the way he says hey buddy and grabs henry in a bear hug oh my god My heart, it just swelled three times larger in a good way, not a dangerous way. And I am clinging to every little shred of wholesomeness in this episode that I otherwise truly, truly hate. Neil being
2: a wholesome and wonderful dad is pretty much the only good thing about this episode,
0: to be honest. Henry shows Neil his storybook and asks his father to tell him what life was really like in the Enchanted Forest. Neil agrees, but gives Henry some money and charges him with the task of getting three hot cocos from Granny's diner first. Once Henry leaves, Neil tells Emma some very important information. Number one, Hook has escaped Neil's storage room, and is now who knows where. And number two, Neil's fiancée, Tamara, is on her way to Storybrooke. This whole time, I've been wondering where Hook was, and I had just assumed they had him captured on the ship or something. But nope, they just left him in the storeroom in new york to just die i guess did they like at least leave him stacks water stacks,
1: stacks of tuna fish cans of tuna
0: just <laughs> yeah, tuna. 80
2: cans of tuna
0: but did they leave him a can opener
2: no well he's got a hook, oh, he's got he's a got a hook. hook. yeah and maybe it's those like the ones pull tabs that have... yeah the pull tab open ones
0: it's just why? Why did you? Not sure take didn't the leave any fucking
2: Got to eat that shit like a bear. <laughs> <laughs> scoop it with his hand.
1: <laughs> no, he'd have to scoop it with his hook because he has to hold it with his hand.
2: Oh no, oh, no! <laughs> He's
1: gotta just smash his face into it like
2: a cat. Then poor hook. I feel real bad. <laughs> Just eating cans of tuna and having <laughs> hellacious farts.
0: Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> or Gillian. Oh. This worries Emma greatly that if Tamaris <laughs> about the hellacious <laughs> farts, he's just in that small, enclosed room <laughs> farting
1: so much. <laughs> finally the gas company comes out to check on like that weird noxious smell <laughs> and they just find this unshaven pirate like who like looks like he escaped from a run fair
2: that's how he got out <laughs> and he's just like <laughs>
1: the downstairs
0: neighbors reported a gas leak oh goodness gracious <laughs> all right send her myself okay okay It worries Emma greatly that Tamara might see some form of magic that could expose the truth about the town. She then questions him on whether or not Tamara knows Neil's true identity as Balefire and advises him to tell her about it, the whole tale, himself. Neil agrees to it, but pleads for Emma to stick around just to say hello.
1: I love that Emma is speaking from personal experience, like, don't let this nice lady find out the hard way about magic and all of this crazy bullshit, you know, the implication being like I did.
2: <laughs> I uh, Neil like also wants Emma to stay around and like hang out with Tamara. He's like, Oh it'll be fine. She's bringing bagels. And I'm like, my dude, no, Neil, you beautiful idiot. Why do you think that's a good idea? Don't have your ex and your fiance meet. This is
1: terrible. This is coming from someone who loves bagels. <laughs> Let's say for argument's sake that things, you know, don't turn out the way they do, right? Emma should want to meet Tamara because she will be spending time with Henry, theoretically. So you got to vet your ex's new sweetie pie to make sure that they're okay for your kid to be around.
2: I mean, I guess, but I mean, I
1: wouldn't want to meet. I, I wouldn't. If I was Emma, I'd be like, Pah! and I'd just leave. <laughs> I mean, if, if there wasn't a kid involved, I, I would agree, too. So...
0: Yeah, I guess things are different when it's when it's your kid because you have to make sure something's safe to be around. I don't know. Henry's got this. <laughs> <laughs> He's scrappy. <laughs> He's
1: chaotic neutral. He'll be fine. <laughs> Grandpa, can you give me a like a protection spell? I have to go to New York. Sure.
0: <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, in the woods of Storybrook. Mayor Margaret is blown off steam with archery as she blasts Joan Jett's bad reputation when she hears a sound in the distance. She follows it to an old trailer. When inside, she sees August Booth, his entire body made of wood. (laughs) And one of her arrows stuck in him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're like 10 minutes in. I just hate this episode so much.
0: (laughs) Back in the past, August is at a hospital in Hong Kong. When he sees a doctor, he informs the doctor that his leg is turning into wood. We see the doctor's POV, and that August's leg looks perfectly normal. August tries to prove to the doctor that his leg is actually turning into wood by stabbing his leg with a scalpel. Immediately, the doctor calls for the orderlies to take August to the psychiatric ward. The orderly chased August through the hospital, but he is pulled into a stairwell where a man tells him that he knows someone who can fix his problem, a man called the Dragon, who can fix his leg for the right price. Flash forward to present day storybook. In August's trailer, Mary Margaret asks him why the lifting of the curse didn't turn him back. August tells Mary Margaret that he stayed like this even after the curse was broken because it is his punishment. She says that the people of Storybrooke care about him, and that he does not need to hide like this. He asks her how his father is doing. Mary Margaret says that Marco misses him, and despite her pleading for August to return to the town, August believes it's better no one sees him as he is. Snow,
2: no one gives a shit about August. For once he's right, he should just stay here where no one has to look at him.
1: Just keep living in that van down by the river, August. You can spend the rest of your life helping Mary Margaret practice her archery by being her living target.
0: (laughs) Sano also updates him, telling him that Henry's father has come to Storybrooke. August asks her if Emma and Neil are back together, but Mary Margaret tells him that Neil is engaged to a woman from New York. August was hoping his Swanfire fanfics would come true but he has come to realize that hoping is futile, and there are some mistakes one just cannot come back from.
2: Mistakes he caused because he is literally noxious human waste.
0: Snow encourages him to grab a second chance, which August scoffs at as she is Snow White, someone who has never had to worry about forgiveness or redemption. And Mary Margaret in this scene is just like, Buddy, buddy, let me tell you why I'm going through some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Margaret tells him it's time for August to stop feeling sorry for himself and come back to town. But August refuses. He then asks her to leave and to not tell anyone else she has found him. And boy, is the animation for Wooden August unsettling. And I want to know, are there behind-the-scene images of this episode? Did Ian just, like, have a green stocking pulled over his face while recording this?
1: Yeah, he had a motion uh, special effects green hood, kind of like the one that Andy Serkis wore, oh. uh, with motion capture dots all over his face.
2: <laughs> but it is the worst CGI I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, my God, he's so bad to look at.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the opposite of Uncanny Valley is, but it's it's this.
2: It's
0: whatever
1: yeah.
2: the fuck this is.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very unsettling. Later, Tamara has reached Storybrooke and is now visiting with Neil, Emma, and Henry.
1: Oh man, she has bagels from Zabar's and
0: fuck. Now I miss New York more than ever and I really want a care
1: package from Zabar's. Someone, anyone, please send me a chocolate babka, bagels and schmear, okay? Thank you. And get
2: you Noah's. I mean- That's about the best I can offer you. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean,
0: that'll do. Noah's is actually really good. It was the closest thing. Henry asked Neil how he and Tamara met. But when he does not respond, Tamara answers instead. She tells Henry that she was on her way to work when they bumped into each other, causing her to spill her coffee all over her blouse. And Neil gave her his scarf to hide the stain. After this, she tells Henry that Neil gave her his number and to either keep the scarf or call him if she wished to return it. Emma remarks that it sounds like fate and then says she needs to drop Henry off with his grandpa. As soon as Henry leaves, Tamara tells Neil that Henry seems like a good kid and that he has Neil's spirit. Neil acknowledges this but changes the subject. He tells Tamara that he is from a place called the Enchanted Forest, showing Tamara Henry's book. She recognizes the stories inside as fairy tales. Neil points to a picture of Balefire, telling Tamara that it is a picture of him. Tamara asks Neil what he is trying to do. He says he is trying to be honest with her. But Tamara says that she saw the way Emma and him looked at each other and accuses him of still being in love with her, adding that Neil did not want Emma to hear the story of how they met. Tamara says that instead of forcing her away, Neil could have just told her that he wants to be with Emma. Neil denies all of this, but Tamara leaves anyway, saying that he can come find her when he is ready to be honest with her. I'm so glad that once again, they have to show us that ridiculous illustration of Jefferson. (laughs) I did not miss that picture, but I do miss Jefferson. I do. Yeah, I I just, I keep hoping we'll stop
2: seeing this picture. Like at this point, we've seen this crummy illustration more than we've seen Jefferson himself, which is honestly (laughs) criminal.
0: Also, I feel like Neil could have planned a better way to tell Tamara. Like maybe have his dad there to like levitate something while he is telling the story to be like, see, see magic.
1: Oh, I don't think anyone wants Mr. Gold anywhere near this situation. (laughs) Oh, I do. I think it'd be very entertaining. (laughs) Oh, entertaining for sure.
0: (laughs) Helpful. Mm, Depends on his mood. (laughs) I do feel this episode would have been better if it had Mr. Gold in it though. Yeah, me too. I feel like like he he tends to- Tends
1: to keep things spicy. Maybe he would have just
0: lit August on
1: fire. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's
2: flammable now.
1: I can make a witch's room out of you.
2: It would improve the situation
1: Mm, greatly. Also, I have discovered uh, what the opposite of Uncanny Valley is. Okay. Unremarkable Plateau.
0: All right. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. That's what
1: August is.
2: An unremarkable plateau.
0: (laughs) In Hong Kong of the Past, August is taken by the man from the hospital to see the dragon. He walks up some stairs to find a room full of people waiting to see the dragon. He notices one woman dropped her phone, so he stands up to give it to her. When this woman turns around, she is revealed to be Tamara. uh the plot thickens, Scoob. At Granny's Diner in present-day Storybrooke, Regina introduces herself to Greg Mandel. He remembers her as the mother of Henry Mills, the little boy he found wandering in the woods. She thanks him for calling her when he found Henry in the woods. And he says he has a soft spot for little kids in trouble. Regina asks him if they've met before. Greg feigns not remembering her, telling her that unless she has spent time in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, then they have probably not met. She then leaves, offering her assistance if he needs anything.
1: I gotta hand it to Greg. He is one cool cucumber, given what he is up against. After the horror show of last
0: episode, I do kind of feel for this guy. Like he's standing face to face with the woman who ruined his and his father's lives because she she couldn't have him. I really wish they had done something more or or different than what they end up doing with with Greg mm-hmm. slash Owen, mm-hmm. because his story is is tragic and. Awful, and, and it, it's interesting. It should be interesting. Yeah, it's very, but, very compelling. But we'll see in these next few episodes. Yeah, yeah. Man.
2: Sure, but also this scene is just an exercise in watching a man eat pie as terribly as possible. He eats pie bad. It's so bad watching him just massacre this piece of pie. I just I, like this whole scene. I just was like, why are you? I stop, forgot
1: who stop. I was. Who I saw an interview of. Oh, it was, I think it was Rob Lowe on Hot Mm -hmm. Ones and he's like obsessed with watching other actors and how they deal with food mm-hmm. because that's like it's it's an acting trick that you have to like become very good at because a lot of times it's a lot of takes and like you usually like young bucks like kind of learn the hard way that like don't eat the food mm-hmm. <laughs> you know spit it out or whatever because there's so many takes that i mean you could end up making yourself very sick so yeah it's 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 just super interesting i guess like how how they fake eating and if apparently was, Ethan Embry just doesn't do it very well. It's I'm,
2: not
0: even so much the eating, is that he spends so much time just actively mashing, mashing the pie with his fork. Yeah. So I think it's it's the way of him getting out that nervous tension of, mm. oh my god, I'm in the same room and I have Oh, that's Mills. true. I just not even like, think of that. Yeah. I just want to like stab her with this fork or run and scream and instead all I can do is mash this pie. Like I think that's what's going it on. I was think it's actually peach pie. I know.
2: It was I had to it's watch a... this man destroy a peach pie, and I was like, I want peach pie. <laughs> you don't even deserve peach pie. You're going to treat it like that. <laughs> no one got to eat this peach pie because this man just made a pulp.
0: <laughs> He's going through some shit. I don't care. <laughs> On Regina's way out of the diner, she bumps into Mary Margaret and sweetly advises her to try the special Blackened Soul. <sighs> After Regina stalks out, Mary Margaret tells Emma and Marco that she found August's trailer in the woods. Regina's blackened
2: soul line is the dumbest line in all of television (laughs) history. Once upon a time owes me funny for making a deal
1: with this. You hear that, ABC? You need to sponsor us. I
2: demand compensation for this (laughs) poor shit.
1: I I just love like. Mary Margaret running over to Emma and Margaret to tell that she found August in a trailer in the woods, like immediately after August told her, don't tell anyone. (laughs) I love it because it just reminds me of the Chris Farley bit in uh, Saturday Night Live where he's like, and I'm living in a van down by the river. (laughs) Like, oh, kids, go to YouTube and search van down by the river. (laughs) It's great.
0: Marco is enthralled to hear that his son is alive. But Mary Margaret tells him that August has turned completely into wood. Mary Margaret tells Emma that they cannot help him, but Mother Superior probably can. Marco tells them that she saved him once before as the Blue Fairy, so she can do it again. They soon leave the restaurant, unaware that Tamara has eavesdropped on their conversation. Uh,
1: First of all, the fucking Blue Fairy didn't help Pinocchio. She entrapped a child into an impossible contract. Secondly, Geppetto, you burdened your son with the impossible task of caring for a freshly born infant. What the ever-loving fuck of it all.
0: Back in the past, Tamara exits from her session with the dragon and tells August that it's his turn to see him, wishing him good luck. He enters the dragon's room, sitting before him. The dragon asks August why he has come to see him. August rolls up his pant leg to show the dragon the dragon proves he knows what's up as he states that the other leg is the one turning into wood.
2: Can I say I hate how much of this episode has been August just rolling up a pant leg and,
3: being <laughs> be a lot. Like, ah,
2: and just like grinning about his weird bare man leg and it's like, dude.
0: It's the scene in uh, Emperor's New Groove and Isma like hikes up her skirt and they're just like, like, ah! like, oh God, oh God. Oh, it's just a knife. Okay. <laughs> The dragon calls him by his former name, Pinocchio. August asks the man how he knows his name and if he's from the Enchanted Forest too. The dragon says that it does not matter and that he can help August, but there are conditions. First, the dragon needs an item of great value, pointing to August's neck. August pulls the necklace out. The dragon knows that the string of the necklace is the string his father used to animate him extending his hand for the payment. The dragon then tells him, along with the necklace, he needs $10,000. And if it's brought by that evening, he will never turn into wood again. If any
1: wooden puppets out there listening to Once Upon a Rewatch wishing to be rid of their affliction and guilt, I will gladly ease your burden if you will Venmo me $10,000.
0: With a blowtorch. Hmm. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We return to present day, where Mother Superior is approached by Marco. Emma and Mary Margaret. She tells them that shortly after the curse was broken, August came to her and asked her if she could return him to his former self. Mother Superior addresses Marco, telling him that when she initially turned Pinocchio into a real boy, it was his duty to remain truthful, brave, and unselfish, but he did not. Mary Margaret asks her why August should not get another chance. Mother Superior tells them that August cannot be forced on the path of redemption that would not be true. Mary Margaret turns to Marco and tells him that there is still hope for August.
1: Bless you, Mary Margaret, but this puppet douche canoe is best used for kindling. Tell Marco to adopt a new kid or start a daycare or something else.
0: The blue fairy in this scene is basically like, <laughs> fuck August. This dude did this to himself. And it made me laugh a little while we were watching it. I mean, for real. She's just
2: like, I told your kid All he had to do was not be a complete piece of shit. It was a really low bar and he couldn't even do that. So I don't care, man. He made his bed. Like she's cold, man. She's cold.
3: I don't (laughs) blame her. It's funny.
2: I do. I I mean, I will probably never say this again, but I am on her side. (laughs) You fucking made this
0: bed. Let him rot. (laughs) Back in Hong Kong of 2011, August looks through his wallet to find payment for the dragon, but does not have sufficient funds. He is outside a bar in Hong Kong, and Tamara greets him and invites him to sit with her. When he sits next to her, she pulls out her purse, which contains a big stack of $100 bills.
1: Girl, this is Traveling 101, friends. Never flash your cash like that in public. Oh my goodness, where did you grow up, Tamara? Mayberry, sweet Jesus, on a pogo stick. Kids, listen to your Auntie Chell, who has traveled the world solo. Do not pull a Tamara. You keep that shit secret. You keep that shit safe. Just like Gandalf said, keep it secret, keep it safe.
0: The bartender gives August a beer and he and Tamara toast to second chances. He asks her why she is seeing the dragon. She tells August that she has a rare form of cancer and was living on borrowed time. I
1: mean, yeah, okay. But technically, we're all living on borrowed time. But I get it. I mean, I get it. I get it. I just, you know,
0: philosophize. Tamara has searched the world looking for a doctor or a healer to help her and finally found the dragon. When she quit pro quo August, he tells her that he came to the dragon because of a terminal skin condition. Tamara then asks him why they would need to bring a personal item, and that she had to give the dragon a photo of her and her grandmother. She then leaves because of a phone call. August agrees to keep an eye on her purse for her, But when she has her back turned, he takes the stack of bills out of her purse and leaves the bar like the garbage person he is. August is just the worst person ever. Jesus Christ.
1: Listen, listen, I refuse to victim blame, especially because of the rest of the episode and the plot and all that kind of stuff. But like August is definitely the asshole here. So just bear with me. I just- When is he mm, not? This is just Auntie Chell with like travel advice. Ugh, just don't ever leave your shit unattended. Okay, just don't. Not even for a second. Don't even turn around. Also, she is taking a phone call, a a cell phone call in Hong Kong in 2011. I hope that is a regional burner phone rigged up with an international chip because holy shit, what a phone bill.
0: A quick flash forward to the interior of August's trailer and we hear a knock at the door. He thinks Mary Margaret has returned, but instead discovers Tamara back to Hong Kong. August runs back to the dragon. He shows August a vial with some kind of magic in it. Before he gives it to August, he asks for the money. August takes the money he stole from Tamara and nearly gives it to the dragon. When he looks down at the table, he sees a picture of Tamara and her grandmother and begins to feel pain in his leg. The dragon says that the body has strange ways of sending us signals, but the tricky part is not in the hearing, but in the knowing what they mean. August asks if the dragon is sure that what is in the bottle can cure him. The dragon cryptically tells him that it will stop him from turning into wood, but that is only a symptom, adding that only August can truly cure himself. The two exchange the money for the cure. Later, August unwraps the vial in an alley, but Tamara arrives and tells him that it's not his. August tries to cut and run for it, but Tamara chases him. And eventually, his legs are unable to continue on, and he collapses in pain, dropping the vial. Tamara picks it up and tells him that he deserves whatever he has, leaving August crying in the middle of a filthy alley. I mean, she isn't (laughs) wrong. In August's trailer, Tamara snarks on the state of the trailer, adding that a man made of wood likely doesn't need much. Amazed that she can see him, August asks Tamara if she believes in magic. She asks him why she would chase down a man called the dragon if she did not believe. He asks her why is in Storybrook, but she tells him that it does not concern him. Tamara tells him that after what he did in Hong Kong, August owes her a favor and that she wants him to leave Storybrooke. He asks her if she is like him. Tamara responds that she is not magical, but changes the subject to her cancer being cured by the bottle the dragon offered her. She tells him that the bottle is in her apartment in New York, and that August can go get it and use it to cure his own affliction. In exchange for this, Tamara asks him to leave Storybrook and never return. He puts two and two together, realizing she is Neil's fiancé. August then asks her if she and Neil are planning to take the magic from Storybrooke. Tamara admits that Neil is not part of any of this. August says he could not leave without knowing her plans. But Tamara says that the August she met in Hong Kong would do anything to save himself, and she is offering salvation. Meanwhile, Greg Mendel comes back to Granny's bed and breakfast, only to discover Regina Mills is waiting for him. He tells her that he has enough towels, if that's what she came for. But she came for other reasons. She tells Greg that she realized why he looked so familiar to her. They met years ago when he was still called Owen. You know, sometimes, just
1: sometimes, Regina remembers to eat her smart cookies.
0: Regina shows him the lanyard keychain he gave her, telling him that she kept it all these years to remind her of their time together. Regina says that he looks different now, that he's all grown up but Greg counters that Regina looks exactly the same. She praises a monthly juice cleanse for her perceived agelessness. She says that Owen could have come to her at any time to tell her why he is there. Greg admits that he is in Storybrooke to locate his father. Regina tells Greg that his father left the town not long after he did, as she never saw him again. Greg does not believe Regina, but she maintains that it is the truth. He says that people cannot just disappear. Regina tells him that scared little boys have overactive imaginations, but Greg says that he is not a scared little boy and he is not leaving without his father. As she goes to leave, Regina says she will let granny know that Greg is checking out tomorrow. He asks her what will happen if he does not. Regina says that contrary to what he might believe, people can just disappear.
1: Ugh, this scene is so good. Lana is amazing in this episode, like just so controlled.
0: Regina is definitely trying to claim the gaslight gatekeep girl boss throne in this one,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. uh, that was some villain, villain. right there. Yeah, yeah,
1: some A class villain, villainy, villainy. Yeah.
0: Elsewhere, while on their way to August's trailer, Marco reveals to Emma and Mary Margaret that Emma did not travel through the magic wardrobe alone. Marco tells Mary Margaret the truth about how he sent his son through the wardrobe and made the Blue Fairy lie to them about the magic wardrobe's capacity. He begins to apologize to her, but she slaps him instead.
1: Get him, girl. Oh, sweet, sweet vengeance. Marco, you done fucked up and you deserved that slap.
2: God, for real. He's kind of a garbage person, really.
0: Emma stops Mary Margaret and she apologizes to Marco, saying that she is not herself. And she would have done the same if it was her child. Snow forgives him, but Marco says no. He burdened his son with a weight no child should bear.
1: Snow, no, you have nothing to apologize for. Nothing. He blackmailed the fucking blue fairy into denying you raising Emma on your own. Ugh. I'm so glad that Kalinda is at least having Marco own up to this crime and the shame of putting Pinocchio through
0: hell, too, but ugh. Yeah, I'm glad we finally have Snow learn that she could have come to the land without magic with baby Emma to take care of her Mm -hmm. if Geppetto hadn't taken that option away from her.
2: Yeah, Mary Margaret probably could have slapped him harder. Like, I don't give a shit about (laughs) August, but you fucked over Emma and Snow for your bastard
0: child. You suck, dude. (laughs) They find August's trailer shortly after this, but he is nowhere to be found in his trailer. In actuality... August is driving Tamara's car out of Storybrooke as quickly as possible. Back in Hong Kong, Tamara tries to get the truth from the dragon. He tells Tamara that it is bizarre to try and get him to tell the truth when she is the one who lied about having cancer. Tamara admits to this, but says that she has been searching for magic, a rare commodity in this world for a long time and has finally found it in the dragon showing him the bottle of magic he gave her. She tells the dragon that even with the most sophisticated technology on Earth, no elements on the periodic table were found in this substance. The dragon says that it is not from this world, because he provides cures for afflictions not of this world. He accuses Tamara of stealing it, but she argues that she is the one who paid for this bottle. Tamara pulls out her taser, telling the dragon that she cannot risk anyone finding him. Smoke exits from the dragon's nostrils as he magically glides towards Tamara, telling her that she hasn't met the real him. He levitates above the ground, but Tamara's taser electrocutes him until he drops dead. This poor dragon dude. This season of Once Upon a Time, I remember, like, because we watched it when it came out. And I remember, like, following the threads of when we got, like, snippets of, like, casting and things like that. And people being like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And everyone thought he was going to be Mushu
1: aww probably related to mushu he's the
2: great stone dragon there Yay. you go the one who yeah. was supposed to show up until mushu wrecked things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go his I, the great stone dragon did i mention on <laughs> the great stone dragon and uh when Tamara was cast and there was like nothing known and everyone was like oh is she gonna be like princess tiana i can't wait <laughs> that
2: I- didn't age well <laughs> uh,
0: yeah i would have loved her to have been
1: tiana I know, she's so pretty. She'd have been a great Tiana. I know, she's just a waste of talent.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Flash
0: forward to Storybrook where August is driving Tamara's car when he hits a bump in the road. This bump causes the photo of Tamara and her grandmother she previously gave to the dragon to fall onto the seat next to August. Upon seeing the photo, August turns the car back around. He goes into the Storybrooke Sheriff Department looking for Emma to help him. Using the phone there, he calls Emma, who is out in the woods. She's relieved to hear that it's August, but just as he's about to warn her, Tamara stops August and cuts the phone line. He tells Tamara that he knows what she did to the dragon. He recalls that a few days after he left, he went back to the dragon, only to find him dead. But according to August, he was too wrapped up in himself to wonder what had ever happened. August shows her the photo of her and her grandmother. Now he realized that she killed the dragon. Tamara tells August that he should have left, but August maintains that only he can cure his dishonesty. After telling this to Tamara, he leaves to warn the people of Storybrook about Tamara. But before he can do this, Tamara uses her taser to electrocute him. This lady is taser murder crazy. But like, why would that have even worked on him if
2: he's made out of wood? That doesn't even make sense. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy seeing August get tased, but he's wood.
1: Yep. Fun fact, in an Entertainment Tonight interview, the Kitsowitz took a moment to address like the major fan complaint in this season, which was the tasing of Pinocchio. So here is the quote. Here's the thing. We thought we need a real world weapon. In the moments in making that decision, we never realized the backlash that would be from a taser. We just figured the audience assumed it wasn't a taser, but they didn't. So I got a lot of history lessons about wood and conducting electricity. If I could go back one season and change one thing, I would have made it a syringe. If she had just taken out a glowing syringe and shoved it into the dragon, no one would give a shit. I am sorry we chose a taser. We are willing to take the hit for that taser. We fucked up.
2: (laughs) I'm really confused about this. We figured the audience assumed it wasn't a taser. I don't. Do they they
1: not think
2: we know what a taser looks like?
1: I mean, Kevin Smith says the first thing they teach you in film school is that your audience is made up of idiots. So I I
2: think most people are familiar with what a taser looks like. They're not elusive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do they like want us to assume it was like had a magic component, like it was souped up? I don't know, because she just oh, pulls oh, it out,
2: oh. and, like, before she tases anyone, she, like, does the, like, the stereotypical thing that everyone with a taser in any movie or TV show does ever, which is do the, like, the warning, like, cracky, cracky, press the button so you see yeah. it's a fucking taser before she goes in to electrocute him.
0: Yeah.
1: I what? had to read this quote a thousand times, and I, I actually went to the original article. Because I found it first on the wiki and I was like, what? And they, because they had a footnote, I went to the actual article that's still online. We just figured the audience assumed it wasn't a taser, but they didn't, but they didn't. That's what I also don't understand it, but they didn't, they didn't assume that it wasn't a taser. Yeah. Because it's
2: clearly a taser. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We assumed it was a taser. I assumed it was a taser because it's a fucking taser. Uh, well, like, what are you what are you trying to prove here exactly I don't. it's it's like he's so mad that he made a stupid choice that he needed to just like lash out directionously yeah and be like the audience got mad at me because i was too dumb to know about electricity <laughs> and wood yeah wow well.
1: <laughs> and that's their fault <laughs> well, that's their fault how dare you know more than how me dare. how dare you how dare, how dare you call dare. me for being a complete
2: idiot not understanding that electrocuting wood wouldn't get you anywhere woof
0: August bumbles out of the sheriff department, looking for someone to help. A group of citizens, including Marco, Emma, Henry, David, and Mary Margaret, find him lying on the ground. Marco immediately comforts his dying son. With his last words, August tries to warn Emma about Tamara, but dies in Marco's arms before he can tell her. Suddenly, Neil appears and asks what has happened to August. Emma tells him that someone killed August. Henry recalls selfless, brave, and true, the words that the Blue Fairy used to describe what Pinocchio must do to remain a real boy. He says that they need the Blue Fairy, and Mother Superior runs towards August. She says that she saved Pinocchio after he sacrificed his life for his father's, so she should be able to do the same now. Marco begs for his son's life, and sure enough, Mother Superior's wand reverts August back into a real boy, the little boy Pinocchio once was. Pinocchio and his father rejoice, and Tamara approaches from behind Neil, after witnessing the transformation as well. Emma asks Pinocchio if he can remember what he was going to tell her before Mother Superior turned him into a little boy. Pinocchio cannot remember what he was going to tell Emma, but promises to be truthful. Neil asks Tamara if she still wants to be with him after what she's seen today. Tamara says that she loves him. Neil remarks that he cannot believe how lucky he was to have met her. And Tamara responds that they are both lucky. I like that the blue fairy here is like, I will fix him, but I hate August. So I'm going to make him that adorable little ginger boy again. I'll even give him back his little hat. Why...
2: Why do we keep giving this crap pile more second chances? Like, what? Why? Did Graham get a second chance? No. But let's give the biggest dick ever unlimited do-overs. Good lord.
0: Give a second chance to Gus Gus, too. Ooh,
1: yeah. Literally anyone deserves it more than this guy. This puppet has more chances than Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day. And for
2: what? He sucks. What about Miss miss nice lady who went out the window
1: oh johanna like johanna. i said
2: literally anyone so many actually legitimately good people have died on once upon a time and they don't get a do-over but yeah let's just keep bringing back pinocchio for some fucking reason <laughs> i hate it I Hate this episode. <laughs>
0: it's a bad episode <laughs> it's so bad hate it here in 2011 new york august tells neil that he is back from hong kong and that he's turning into wood, and he must go see Emma and Storybrooke. August adds that in order to stop turning back into wood, he must get Emma to break the curse. Neil is opposed to this, because the breaking of the curse will send his father searching for him. August, on the other hand, points out that he will at least get to see Emma again, but Neil is unsure if Emma will want to see him. August gets ready to leave, but tells Neil that he will send him a postcard when the curse is broken. During this whole conversation, Tamara is seen spying on them using a compact mirror. Dangerous ladies using their dangerous lady gadgets. Like they're feminine wiles. (laughs) (laughs) After witnessing this, she walks over to Neil, purposely bumping into Neil, causing her to spill her coffee all over herself. Neil then offers his scarf to Tamara, showing exactly how they met. Later. In present-day storybook, Emma apologizes to Henry for lying to him about his father, emulating Pinocchio's honesty. The two embrace and head upstairs, leaving Mary Margaret and David alone. David asks Mary Margaret what is going on. Before she is able to tell him what is going on, she makes him promise not to get mad. He makes that promise, but when he hears that Mary Margaret went to Regina's house in order to be killed by Regina... He is visibly upset. She tells David that when Regina ripped her heart out, it was starting to blacken. But she did not tell David because she wanted to find a way to stop it. He tells her that they will find another way, putting his hand on her heart. This may be a weird episode, but Charming is still very handsome. And I love him and snow very much. I mean, they're,
2: they're wonderful. This episode is garbage, but they're
0: wonderful. Amen. Meanwhile, Greg Mandel receives a call from the infamous Her. He answers his phone and asks her why she has not called him back. There is then a knock at his door, and Tamara answers with her cell phone in her hand, apologizing for being late. She tells Greg that she only has a few minutes, as Neil is occupied in the shower. So let's not waste them, says Greg, as he pulls Tamara close for a passionate kiss. Yeah. And credits i love you captain burnham
1: but i really loathe tamara
2: well technically she killed august so she gets points from me
1: <laughs> fair
2: this
0: episode is weird and not in a good way i like true north more than i like this episode wow and that is saying something i think one of the reasons it's It's so blah for me is season two for the most part was, it's been pretty strong, but after the Miller's daughter, there's this distinct downturn and it's, it's such a shame because the Miller's daughter was so good. And honestly it could have even worked as a strong season finale. But instead, now we have Greg and Tamara, and they are not my favorite antagonists, but I I can't, I don't want to talk about, you know, spoilers, we won't get into it, but this is kind of like the beginning of, you know, setting them up as as the villains of the rest of the season, and I I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't don't care. (laughs) I don't care about them. I
1: think it's because we know.
0: Yeah, it's because we know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she killed August.
2: (laughs) But I don't, I don't know, man. I hate this episode. It's god-awful. Like, the only good thing I can say about it is, it's our last August episode, right? Like, at least I don't have to deal with him anymore. The whole Snow's soul is blackened thing is, like, the worst goddamn plotline? It's so dumb and misogynistic, and I know I talked about it before, but I hate it. Like, this is the same series that has Hook be like, uh, Belle, you know, Stilskin straight up murdered his wife and have her be like, that doesn't matter, he can change when it was his wife. But Snow kills someone to save her family and the whole damn city, but that is somehow worse. And, like, the only thing besides that shitty plot that this episode had going was August! 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 And I hate him! So this episode can go to hell.
1: (laughs) I agree with everything my comrades have said. I had to write this recap and fact check it and do a lot of research. And frankly, I'm too exhausted to add anything noteworthy. I'm just glad this episode is over. It was horrible. I could have used Tamara's taser like 50 times this episode. Also, there is a very distinct line between this episode and True North. That is the episode August 1st arrives in Storybrooke.
0: Oh, uh, they both suck. Beautiful bookends. You know, beautiful. Bookends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember this episode coming and, yeah, being excited about this episode because the casting announcements and being like, oh, maybe, maybe we're going to get an episode with like Mushu. Maybe we're going to get an episode with Tiana. And then it was like, no, you get a trash fire. This is what you get the trash fire. It.
1: I remember having a Kalinda Vasquez episode and loving it. Yo, she did some great ones.
0: This well, is maybe not the problem mister for co-writer
1: yeah and I'm like who the fuck are you Robert Hall? I don't remember you
0: and, and he wrote 10 episodes of Gossip Girl so yeah that already doesn't like <laughs> which should tell you a lot to be... oh, the oh here the you go honest. Yeah. here
1: you guys go the crocodile <laughs> oh uh, my lord uh, that, that makes a lot of sense what does he do in season 3 yeah he's got a couple in season 3 uh, great which ones? the tower oh god the tower which oh, is, the I Tower?
0: Think... I hate that episode. That one's yeah. so bad. That's like the
1: Rapunzel one. <laughs> that's the
0: Rapunzel one. Oh, the Rapunzel
1: one's shitty. That's yeah. a stinker. And uh, Snowdrifts.
0: Snowdrifts is a good episode.
1: Yeah, let's see who his writing partner was on that one. It's David H. Goodman as well. Like he, he seems to get paired with David H. Goodman a lot. Oh, and you know what? The Tower? That's the only one that he does where it's only him.
0: Oh my god, that's such a bad episode. I bet this was one of the more expensive episodes to film too because of the CG August. It wasn't worth it,
1: (laughs) and the CG uh, Phuket, yeah, oh man,
2: they spent so much money on such a turd.
0: They could have cut this, given the money to Tiny, and helped Tiny be a better episode because Tiny was really just lacking in the special effects department. But instead, we get this. Instead, we get this. Definitely an episode. It was an episode. It was an episode. It was an episode. I, I, I don't
1: feel like we were not in pain as much as we were with True North though. Like thinking back on that recording, I'm like, we were in physical fucking agony.
0: Yeah, but if I had to sit down and watch an episode and the only episodes I had was Selfless, Brave, and True and True North, I think I would pick True North. I think mm. also I'm
2: just a more jaded and hollowed out person now than I was when <laughs> True North happened. Because, <laughs> because Once Upon a Time has just taken so much from me at this point.
1: Oh, you got to hang on, girl, because it's going to take so much more from you. <laughs> I don't have a whole
0: lot left for it to take. <laughs> we are oh, wow. almost at our uh, one-year anniversary, guys. Oh, are going to get a cake? Yeah, because it's uh- a... <laughs> Uh, this episode- oh no we'll get a
2: pie because i'll be the only one eating <laughs> oh, the <no>. cake and <laughs> <we'll get it.
1: laughs> i was just gonna say will you make us the cake yeah
2: just- <laughs> only if you guys aren't gonna complain that it isn't well, pie
1: no That's- we'll
2: not complain <laughs> then i will yeah. absolutely make us i will make us a happy one year anniversary on your
0: podcast anniversary yeah because uh this episode is gonna drop on february 13th And our episode zero and episode one originally dropped on February 14th, 2021. So yay! That's not the date that it says on the actual podcast because I re-uploaded the episode for the commercial breaks like uh, a couple weeks later. (laughs) But uh, the original drop was the 14th, Valentine's Day, because we thought it would be fun for fairy tales and Valentines. Anyways, let's talk about Costumes!
2: I
1: suppose <laughs> I like Tamara's costumes like in all the settings. Like I liked her in Storybrooke and New York and Hong Kong. Like I really liked that orange trench coat that she was wearing in New York. I thought that was very cool. And I like that little kind of cottage core scarf she was wearing in Hong Kong with like the little rosebuds on it. She was very chic.
0: I hated August's <laughs> outfit in Hong Kong <laughs> yeah. so much. It's so beige and baggy and blah just like this episode
2: (laughs) i was gonna say i feel like it was pretty fitting for both the episode and the character because they both suck bad outfit bad everything
1: i I like pinocchio's alpine village get up it's cute as hell it's very cute and i also really like emma's black double breasted coat like it's got like this wide high neck that adds like a real statement flair to it it's a nice contrast against her blonde hair so i do like that uh okay now it's time to play who's that guest star in which we discuss guest stars in season two episode 18 we have tai ma as the dragon celebrated for his uncanny versatility tai ma's body of work encompasses virtually every genre across film television and theater with roles and titles such as star wars resistance Wu assassins kung fu veep silicon valley the man in the high castle Hell on Wheels, American Dad, 24, Aquila and the Bee, and oh, so many more. Then we have Ethan Embry as Greg Mendel or Owen. Ethan Embry has, has been enjoying a long career in film and television with roles and titles such as Empire Records, Sweet Home Alabama, That Thing You Do, Grace and Frankie, Sneaky Pete, Dragnet, well, the new Dragnet, obviously, not the old Dragnet, and Brotherhood. Soniqua Martin Green as Tamara. Soniqua is known The Galaxy Over for her role as Captain Michael Burnham in Star Trek Discovery. Prior to boldly going where no one has gone before, Soniqua has been in films such as River Wash Over Me, The Outside Story, and Space Jam 2, as well as television shows such as Army Wives, The Good Wife, NYC22, and of course the The Walking Dead, where she played original character Sasha Williams, a role specifically written for her.
0: All right, it's time to take a trip down Once Upon a Timeline. So the flashbacks here start at the very end of the flashback scenes at the end of season one, episode one, pilot, when Emma decides to stay in Storybrooke and the clock begins to work again. And the reason we know it's the exact same moment is because we see August wake up and starting to turn to wood in Phuket which we know happens the exact same moment that Emma decides to stay since August had told us as much back at the end of season one. The rest of the events of the episodes are probably happening around the same time as the storybook storylines in episode two and three-ish of season one. All right, so we have a new segment. It doesn't have a name yet, but it's still a segment. Really? We have a new segment? I'm so excited. We got our first voice message.
3: Narrators three. It is I, Harley. I go by he, him, his pronouns, and I am the wordsmith. An author, if you will. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. It's really nice to hear a queer lady perspective on once. Um, I'm also a swan queen shipper, a red beauty shipper. I'm a huge Bell and Ruby stan um and i really love red snowing red snow and charming as an ot3 which i am really upset at the lack of red snowing representation because season 2 is red snowing season there is red snow everywhere to be found in storybrook uh it is the season for red snowing so i'm a little disappointed about that but i really love the pod and uh hello it's nice to be part of the podcast <laughs>
1: All right. So I guess we got to address Harley's need for red snowing. I mean, which- I
2: honestly had just never even occurred to me. I it mean, never I occurred like to me. it now that it's occurred to me. I know. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like, ooh, yeah, we need to rectify this. Because yeah. first of all, you can ship Ruby with a lot of people because oh, she's yeah. got she great chemistry, chemistry. with everyone, yeah. Everybody. Oh, yeah. And, and absolutely, we are definitely on that red beauty train. Like mm-hmm. they have some very hot chemistry with each other but yeah i think red snowing is a very wholesome otp ot3 they really function Mm -hmm. they would take care of each other you know who like like her role would kind of remind me of ironically a jennifer goodwin role is that ruby because she's you know a little younger and stuff she kind of reminds me of margie from big love you know she's just the only one
2: here who seemed yeah
1: i've never watched big love okay uh, you guys both haven't? No. Oh, okay. So Margie is like the youngest, newest wife um, in Big Love, which is, you know, about ethical non-monogamy in the uh, Latter-day Saint faith. Mm-hmm. And it focuses on this one family. And Margie's like the newest wife. She's the third wife. And she's just very like bright-eyed. I mean, for fuck's sake, she's Jennifer Goodwin. So she's yeah. bright-eyed. She's bushy-tailed. You know, she's just very like wonderstruck, you know? and And Ruby like reminds me a lot of You know her in that way because remember remember like the lemurs like what's a lemur yeah (laughs) like that's definitely something that i could see margie saying what's a lemur you know
0: it's a really cute ship especially since i remember like watching red-handed for the first time and being like oh Mm -hmm. i I ship i ship red and snow a little bit Um, oh yeah for sure and then also in season two we get we get a lot of really wonderful ruby and david friendship stuff and i just they all like each other so much Uh, yeah it works. Yeah, it's very cute it's a cute ship
1: the only bit of like i guess you could say comedic hijinks area that i could i could see like i don't want to say it's problem i just see it like more from like a fanfic perspective so i see it as more yeah comedic hijinks is ruby being stepmom to emma yeah <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny she just she's just like uh okay but like well, you know this is
2: incredibly awkward yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Emma, emma, emma though is so like whatever <laughs> it was weird but fuck it <laughs> fuck it why not <laughs> why not why not no i think that's a very sweet ot3 thank you so much for bringing that to our attention i'm going to be way more on the lookout now for it you know what i also thought of something probably why i never inserted anybody else with them is probably for like the very real romance that happened between josh and jennifer and it's very hard to like separate them like as a couple and as like the characters when it comes to like the love scenes you know and their yeah. actual genuine infection yeah you can so, see how much they love each other but yeah i see it now and it's it's glorious
0: Red just has such good chemistry with everyone. Like you said, like uh, Red Red Beauty, is that mm-hmm, her and Belle's Belle ship name? Yeah. They're so cute too. She's so instantly smitten with Belle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're adorable. And Belle's so instantly like
1: protective of her <laughs> mm-hmm. and smitten. It's just like
2: I mean, no offense because I know you love it, Chell, but it's a healthier relationship for Belle.
1: No, no, no. No. <laughs> No, I had no none offense taken. Things would have things would
2: have turned out much better for her if she'd just <laughs> gone that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, although let's be real, I don't trust these writers. Oh in, no. I mean, I know more queerdo canon comes down the line, but like at this point in time, oh, oh my at this God. point <laughs>
2: someone would have gotten buried. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like how rampantly misogynistic season one and two are. hmm Anyone gay would have gotten buried. Yeah.
0: But that's what fandoms for. We can explore our ships in a safer place. In a, a safer are
2: cowardly to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cowards. Fucking
1: cowards. Elisa, how can people leave voicemails like Harley did?
0: Uh, they can do so on our anchor.fm page. It's anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Yeah, you can leave us a voicemail there. I'm happy to talk with you. I'm happy to talk with you on all other social media platforms too. If you're talking on Tumblr, you are, you
1: are talking with me. And if you're on Instagram, you are either talking to Elisa or me because we both run that. And so it's a crapshoot.
0: <laughs> Who knows? You could be talking to both of us. You could be talking to both of us, to be
1: honest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although I'm the one creating the polls. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm usually just the one stalking people's cosplays and being like, "You yeah, look so good." If, <laughs> yeah, if yeah, if you definitely
1: have like a cosplay that you want us to like show off or anything, tag us, and Elisa will definitely post it. Um, and I'm usually the one doing the polls and the, and I think we both kind of find memes and stuff that that are pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh, what's the username? I'm I'm always a fan of uh, Captain Floors. Oh my God, Captain
1: Floors <laughs> is everything, Captain Floor. If you. Listen to us. You bring us a lot of life and a lot of joy (laughs) on Instagram. You are very active and we appreciate you. (laughs) All right. Well, now it's time to share and tell a segment where each narrator shares something that they're left in this week. What are you enjoying this week, Chell? What am I enjoying this week? So I finished *A Court of Mist and Fury*, which is like a big payoff book in the *Court of Bones and Boners* series. And no, no, calm down, people. I know that that's not what the series is called. I just say that because I have—I'm—I'm I'm being bullied by two of my friends to read these books, and it—it it, it took me a little bit, but I'm invested. And the third book, *Court of Mist and Fury*, I think—I think that's that one because I have not memorized these titles yet. Because it's always like this poor author i'm sure it was like her publisher who was just like no we have to capitalize on a game of thrones and like you know uh, a game of a game of blah 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 so yeah is the book
0: series like the court of stars and thorns or Rose, Court roses of thorn and roses, roses
1: is the first one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's that one sarah j okay. moss okay, okay yeah 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 lindley and ashley have been bullying me to read them so i'm like all right all right i'll read them and so i'm like i'm reading them and i'm like okay you know she's a little wicker basket at first and i'm like yeah. and wicker basket is a, a, like a, a web comic reference that is so deep that i can't i can't even begin to explain it okay um, like i
0: don't think- <laughs> Yeah. I don't understand the reference. Basically,
1: a Katniss Everdeen like ripoff. And I was like, all right, all right, And then, like, you know, you keep reading, keep reading, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I see where you're going. All right, okay, mm hmm. Oh, I like that person. Okay, mm hmm. All right, all right, all right. This is good, not bad. I I, I got through it. Sure, pick up the other one. And then, like by the third one, I'm like, nobody better touch my babies, you know. (laughs) So um, and it was a great book. Like the third book was definitely the one that I got through the quickest, and the one that to me had like the biggest payoff. So I was I was really enjoying that. I was like, "Mm, it's a little binary for me, you know. I'm I'm queer, my my two friends really aren't, but there's queer energy comes in like with a vengeance. So that's good. I can say I'm now invested taking a little break because I got to read uh let the right one in again also excellent book if you like horror or thrillers instead of fantasy but when are you reading
2: Gideon the ninth show
1: I will be reading get I'm gonna take join I join us I, I know no no, no one I have of it us. I have one it I have bus. the book one, one of us <laughs> exactly I'm 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 drooling, okay, at the prospect of it. So I'm gonna I mean, read. If
2: you're complaining about shit not being queer enough,
1: oh, I know. That's the thing. I know like, that I'm gonna. Ha- tomb, where I'm it's already all gonna have all like the time. exactly. I'm gonna <laughs> have like a big payoff with Gideon the Ninth. So Hell I have yeah. to read. Let the right one in. Do my notes and everything. I got. I'm gonna read the fourth book because it's like I guess it's it's, it's hella quick and very fluffy. Apparently, I don't know. So I've been told, and then I'm gonna read Gideon the Ninth. So there you go. Also, uh, today I made cream cheese brownies and they are fucking delicious. I have now used the trick that was taught to me many, many years ago that I just never, I was always too lazy to do, but stick your freshly baked goods in the freezer. The flavors can just sort of solidify together. Friends, just go that extra step. Do not Mm. cut, do not cut the baked good while it is hot and, or even just warm. It will, it will be okay. Just stick it in that freezer for at least an hour or maybe more and then have it fucking blast off, man. That's me. I
0: talked (laughs) a lot. Sorry. So mine is The Legend of Vox Machina. First six episodes have been released so far and I'm very much enjoying reading. What is this? I don't know what this is. Oh, okay. So The Legend of Vox Machina is airing right now on Amazon Prime. It is an animated version of the first campaign from Critical Role. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've ever wanted to experience Critical Role in a very condensed form, uh, you can relive or live for the first time. Folks can live for the first time. Um, Vox Machina, uh, their party from the first campaign in the animated series that's coming out right now. So the first few episodes are a pre-stream arc, but then the bulk of it is a reimagining of the Briarwood arc, which was like the third big arc in campaign one and one of the best for sure. I'm loving reliving it. Both Lynn and me have been watching Critical Role for years. We've been watching way back since campaign one was originally streaming. And watching Vox Machina is, like, seeing old friends. And I cannot wait for next Friday and for more No Mercy Percy because I love so him so much. Is this
1: then showing, like, the animated versions of those characters that you two cosplay? hmm Yes. <gasps> oh, okay.
0: So now I have context.
1: Now you have context. Yeah. So, yeah, so
0: I've I've cosplayed several versions of Pike. Um, I've also cosplayed Percy from Fox Machina. I've cosplayed Kima and it was really cute recently because Stephanie Beatrice, who is voicing Kima, liked pictures of me and Lynn as Kima and Allura and it made me so happy. Oh, that's right.
1: Okay, I didn't understand the context. I just thought like she just was a huge a fan of whatever you were cosplaying because I didn't I didn't I didn't recognize it. And I was just like, cause you showed me and I was like holy shit. <laughs> So, um, uh, she was,
2: since she voices Kima, she was going through and finding, um, Kima cosplayers. So cute. And liking their stuff, which I always think is very sweet when actors and voice actors do.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is great. I actually, now I'm very excited to check this out. It's
0: a great way to get people into something that can feel very daunting <laughs> there's i think there's more hours of campaign one alone than actually like hours of the simpsons like it's that long oh, sh- so it's a well, lot what episode
2: is like five hours long
0: oh okay yeah.
2: um, because so- it's, and it's a real play D, so like it's them playing a dnd session each episode
1: yeah yeah so episodes so-
2: can be as long as five hours because of that because you know how it gets playing sessions of D.
1: So. I, I do I do D&D once a week and my back is hurting by hour two and I'm like, guys, I, we got to wrap this shit up. I got to go.
0: <laughs> but yeah, if you ever wanted to interest interested in crit roll, interested in Vox Machina uh, in a very condensed form, there's now the animated series of a pre campaign story and the Briarwood arc note for folks might be going into this blind uh, Briarwood arc is pretty bloody Um, Uh they do not shy away from the gore um, in the animated version they didn't before they even got to
2: the Briarwoods though like it's pretty bloody in the first few episodes full disclaimer the animated series is
1: pretty gory it's
2: pretty
3: gory not for children not for children no absolutely not
0: oh no it's also there's also some boobs so you know yeah I like titties (laughs) but it's great but it's definitely like it's one thing having like you know that gore and violence described to you in a, in, a, in a campaign another thing seeing it i was i was like oh they're going hard in this uh, it's interesting seeing all the different things they're doing with it because there's there's a lot different they're doing with it um but some 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 moments have been like the exact moment from the campaign and whenever we get to those we're like oh, yes <laughs> but she's some real real good percy moments my white haired anime boyfriend love him so much it's just great seeing everyone again like grog oh
2: frog. grog big sweet dumbed up grog so much love them i feel like mine is so short compared to you guys
1: that's fine because i'm gonna ask you
0: about it yeah what are you doing lynn
2: um i finished a book called summer suns and it is super good it's a gay southern gothic ghost story and i absolutely loved it someone online described it as the raven cycle meets the haunting of hill house and that's honestly pretty accurate it's fantastic go read it
1: I'm super curious about this. Like this sounds amazing. It It has a lot of buzzwords in it for me. So you said gay, I'm there. Southern, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gothic. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Ghost, story. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, you just said Raven cycle and you sold me i have no idea what that is so
2: the raven cycle is actually this series of books that our cat noah is named after he is named after a character in the raven cycle he has moved over to me right now and is laying on his back with all his feet in the air (laughs) (laughs) passed out so i guess yeah if you don't know the raven cycle that wouldn't carry much weight for you but you should also read the raven cycle the raven
0: cycle is very good
2: Definitely, the main character in *Summer Suns* has some Ronan Lynch energy.
0: Ronan Lynch—he's a character
2: from the *Raven Cycle*. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It's it's dark and it's creepy, but it's good payoff. Yeah.
1: Is it a standalone book or part of yes. a series? Oh, good. I yes, like a standalone it's, book. It's just
2: its own its own contained little thing. It like it has a story to tell you. It wraps it up in one like three hundred page book. Oh,
1: amazing. I feel like that's a rarity these days.
2: It is. And I mean, I feel like I feel like it had a big enough story that if the author had wanted to, it it could have been stretched into multiple books, but Mm. it didn't need to be. And I think they recognized that and didn't need to pull a supernatural with it. Sorry. (laughs) They went, here's my story. I will take one book to tell it. Bam, there it is.
1: I will. I will also tell you both that um, I have with some friends been making a lot of Headway into Star versus the forces of evil.
0: Star is a great show. Star Star versus the forces. Yeah, of
1: evil we like show. it's it's insane. Like, so I I watched Star when it first came out, but I watched just the first season and like a handful of the first few episodes of season two, and then for whatever various life reasons, like I just stopped watching it. So I knew I had catching up to do, but like, man, I stopped at like the worst time because that's like when all of a sudden it just like.
0: Like like someone,
1: yeah, yeah. Like someone flipped a switch and it suddenly had like all this plot. Like it's, it's like Steven universe. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like in that sense where it's just like, you know, you're watching Steven universe and you're like, okay, this show is weird, but cute. And I like it. Like it's, it's odd. I haven't seen certain things like this before. Or like, you think it's going to go in one very like beaten, like a dead horse kind of trope, trope tropey way that a lot of kids cartoons are guilty of. And then it doesn't. You know, like the characters are a little bit more sophisticated and talk shit out rather than, you know, (laughs) just get angry and storm off. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, just like this big plot just suddenly is there. And it's always been there creeping up on you Mm -hmm. in the background. And you just didn't see it coming, you know? And that's how like Steven Universe was for me. And that's now how Star is. And my friends and I are just like absolutely obsessed,
0: absolutely obsessed. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Mr. Gold enlists the aid of David to help try and jog Belle's cursed memories and get her to love him again. And when it's revealed that the magic beans Anton and the doors have been harvesting have begun to grow and could possibly transport everyone home, Emma is torn over whether she'd want to live in the fairy tale land or stay in our world. Meanwhile, in the enchanted forest that was, Rumpelstiltskin forces Belle to accompany him on a hunt to kill a thief, whom she had freed in the name of mercy. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is save yourself the hour, read the recap, or just listen to us. We watch this one so you don't have to. You can find us on anchor.fm
2: slash rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon Rewatch, on Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch,
1: on Tumblr at Once Upon a Rewatch. Tumblr.com.
2: If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice.
0: Our artwork for the podcast was done by Lai Ruru. that's L A I C H I R U R U, at Twitter.com. This podcast
1: uses material from episode specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.
0: And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Henry shows Neil his storybook. Storybook. This is my story, bro. This is my story, Brooke. <laughs> my story, Brooke. The clock tower. There's I give you a diner. tour. <laughs> if you
2: look over there. There's my mom's broken ass car. <laughs> <laughs>